Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. And I'm so excited today to be able to speak with Dr. Stephen Masley. Um, Stephen is one of the best known, most highly respected physicians in the world on the subject of integrative, functional, and what I would think of as complete health medicine. Um, Dr. Masley is a physician. He's a nutritionist. He's an expert trained chef. Uh, he's, he's the creator of the number one uh, health program for public television uh, entitled The 30 Days to a Younger Heart. He's a fellow of the American Heart Association as well as the American College of Nutrition. And he's the author of multiple books, including five of my favorite reads, which were 10 Years Younger, The 30 Day Heart Tune-Up, Smart Fat, The Better Brain Solution, and his most recent book entitled The Mediterranean Method, um, where he spent three summers researching the very famous Mediterranean diet and tweaking it to even improve it more uh, in what he's calling the Mediterranean Method. Uh, Stephen is the founder of the Optimal of the Masley Optimal Health Center here in St. Petersburg and uh, was the director, medical director of the Pritikin Longevity Center in Miami for over 11 years. So uh, his research and his expertise is just uh, so extensive that we can't wait to talk to him. And Stephen, thank you for joining us today. Oh, really happy to be with you, Ed. Uh, we actually had a conversation in our last podcast on your work with the Mediterranean diet and the Mediterranean method. And you promised us that you would come back and share with us the latest info um, on preventing and reversing heart disease. So um, we're all ears. If you would just tell us what we need to do to have a healthy heart, we want to do it. Well, there's actually been a whole, you know, since I wrote the Mediterranean Method back in 2016, it seems not that long ago, but, to, you know, from 2014 with the research that went into it and then over that up to now, just in the last seven years, think about it, there's been several new revelations that relate to heart disease, enough so that I got asked to write a updated revision of that book. So there's a new 2021 version of the 30-day heart tune-up. And really what comes behind it is that, you know, I think for years we thought about cholesterol as being the cause for heart disease. And it is important, but blood sugar, the gut microbiome, and specific nutrient deficiencies and nutrient intake, I think are more important and give us a bigger opportunity to help decrease heart disease. And I think we're becoming increasingly aware of the importance of inflammation in heart disease and the critical role that two key factors play, the gut and our gingiva um, oral cavity are critical factors that contribute to inflammation and heart disease, as well as memory loss as well. So interesting. You know, we've uh, been thinking so much about this and Actually, um, you can correct me, but I think of periodontal disease as sort of like leaky gut syndrome of the mouth. 
In many ways, that it's similar because, I mean, leaky gut syndrome is probably from eating processed food and junk and not eating enough essential foods to heal that gut surface. So that's our number one cause of inflammation. But the gingivitis and periodontal disease is a huge factor that causes inflammation. I mean, just proper dental hygiene can lower high sensitivity CRP, C-reactive protein levels. That's probably one of your best measures of systemic inflammation. And when we have periodontal disease, we now know there's specific bacteria that have a major impact in arterial plaque growth and in cognitive decline. So, you know, really important factors that we're seeing there and that we really need to focus more on dental care um, to make a difference in overall health. And I think we didn't realize that in the past. Well, tell us some of the work that you've been working on the last seven years and, and what are the newer findings that we should be aware of? Well, really over the last 15 to 20 years, I've been measuring arterial plaque in my patients and the clinic continues to measure that. And then we've looked at okay, what factors contribute to arterial plaque growth, which is the root cause for heart disease and strokes? And what we've realized is sugar intake and ele minor, mildly elevated blood sugar levels have a very powerful influence on heart disease, much more so than we thought of previously. That inflammation, as we've talked about, is a major factor for growing plaque in our arteries. That nutrient deficiencies have much more bigger impact than we ever thought. And maybe the biggest surprise has been the impact of the gut microbiome. If we have the wrong gut microbes, we make a compound called TMAO, trimethylamine oxide. Trimethylamine oxide, if it's elevated, raises your risk of heart disease and stroke by 62%, pretty dramatic. So that gut bacteria that grow abnormally cause inflammation and TMAO levels to go up, which causes clotting. So in some ways, that's similar, that unhealthy gut produces bad bacteria that make all sorts of bad things happen. And that's a major contributing factor to heart disease. And we fix that with the proper food and diet. Similarly, think of the, the gingiva. When it's inflamed, it produces bad bacteria which can get into arthritic plaque, which can get into the brain through the blood-brain barrier and, and, and produce toxins that has an adverse effect. So both of these are like milieu environments for bad bacteria to grow if we don't do the right prevention up front. I would say food and nutrients are the most important for the gut. Food is also, as you know, a major fact of gingivitis and periodontal disease. But, you know, additional periodontal cleaning is so essential. Brushing, flossing, water picking, seeing the dental hygienist. I mean, all of those are major factors that have an overall huge impact on overall health. You know, I'd like to take this in a, in a direction, Stephen, where we can walk away from uh, this time uh, really much better informed. So let me present to you a scenario which actually happened, and that is that you had someone uh, come to your practice, namely me, who had been told that they had very high cholesterol and in fact had been to a cardiologist and had been tested and told that you will not only need one 
statin, you're going to need two because of the high levels of your cholesterol. And um, also had a painful knee joint that had um, had had infection previously in it such that it was, I was limping and just inflammation in that knee was significant. And um, I knew that there were answers, but I didn't know who to go to until I heard about you. And so when I came to see you, um, you did a complete workup on me and then you made recommendations on how to lower cholesterol to, you know, reduce inflammation and the pain associated with that to get in tip top shape. Would you just take us through what you would do for me today if I or someone who's listening were to come to you saying, I'm worried about my heart. I'm worried about my health. I want to live healthy to 100, but I know it isn't going to be just by taking medications. Well, I'm not anti-medication, as you know. I mean, meds can provide some benefit, but if we only put people on a statin, 70% of those people are going to die from heart disease. In other words, it's inadequate. You know, a 70% failure rate does not work for me. And that's what we're providing in healthcare today by putting people on drugs and patting them on the back and say, we helped you or offering them a procedure, which even has less, maybe has a 5% benefit in decreasing events. So I like to look at, well, if we're missing 70% of events prevention, what should we be offering? And I I have like at least a four... four to five fold approach. Number one is the right food. Number two is the right nutrients. Number three is the activity. Number four is stress management. And number five is supporting our gut. So those are really my, when I think of it, and, and, and part of that, and, and really we need to look at since the gut is an important fact and the gingiv is an important fact. So for number six, I'd say we need better dental care and dental hygiene. So that's really my my platform to looking at this. So the right foods, the right nutrients, activity, stress management, gut support, as well as gum, gingiva support. And if we do all of those things, we're going to prevent at least 90% of heart disease. 90% is going to just go away. And we will likely We know just by correcting blood sugar, we can get rid of 60% of Alzheimer's disease. 60% by just getting blood sugar controlled. I believe we could get rid of 80 to 90% of dementia and Alzheimer's disease if we did that whole six-part plan. I remember when I came to see you, um, you were confident you could help me. And in fact, we did a carotid uh, IMT uh, uh, ultrasound and you said that my carotid uh, right near the vocation of the internal and external carotid was nearly 70% blocked, which was very high. I think I was in my 50s at that time. And you said, well, we have two choices. You know, we could go clean it out or we could try to implement some lifestyle uh, things and see if that helps. The next year when we came back and repeated that study, uh, if I'm correct, I think my carotids were... 13% more open than they were 12 months before. Yeah, you shrunk your plaque level by 13% in one year. That's yeah. like being 13 years younger. Right. Because the average American's growing 1% per year. So explain, if you would, 
what were the keys to that happening? Well, I think part of it was a lower glycemic load, less sugar, you know, so a lot of times people are eating more whole wheat bread and whole grain cereal and whole grain crackers and things like that, that in the, in the idea of fiber, but it's the wrong, but it's a source of fiber that raises blood. I don't think most people realize, and you didn't realize at the time that eating a bowl of sugar or eating a bowl of white flour or eating a bowl of whole wheat flour that could be used in bread and crackers and cereal raises, they all raise your blood sugar equally. So I think that was a revelation. I think some of the nutrient deficiencies and helped lower the inflammation levels that allowed you to be more active before you, you said you, you limped. Yes. You did limp. Yes. But after you did this, your inflammation levels plummeted. Right. In your case, I didn't have to say, take better care of your gums. You already had, you had that one down. Yeah. But the average American, that's actually a big factor. Their joints hurt because their gums are inflamed and they don't realize it. So I think helping you drop your inflammation, maybe through some gut healing and better nutrient intake, lowered your inflammatory levels, which improved your exercise. I think you already had pretty good stress management. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had daily prayer and all sorts of calming activities into your life with your wife. And so I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the dental side and the stress management side, you had solid. The nutrient intake, tweaking the foods, um, I think that for you, from my perspective, that was the biggest difference we could make. Eating the right food, cutting out the glycemic load. Yes. Um, that, that was really key. And the other thing that um, you did was you had me work with a, a fitness coach and we went down below your office into the fitness center at, at the hospital there. And um, she showed me specific things that I was going to do every day as I began to work out again. And I hadn't been because my knee hurt so badly. And my wife had been urging me for a year probably uh, to get back in the gym. And I was just complaining about uh, knee pain. And she said, well, if you have a heart attack and you die because you're not exercising, I'm not having you back. And so, (laughs) (laughs) and so, uh, you enabled me by, first of all, reducing inflammation, which dramatically improved my knee discomfort. Um, and then actually just going and doing it, just going and doing it, even though there was soreness, um, you build the muscles up around those damaged joints and they actually do begin to feel better from that. So that combination was incredible. And my cholesterol levels, by the way, dropped from close to 300 to below 200 in a very short time. Um, and we were taking sort of a half dose of statin, which you had recommended that we continue, you know, with that, which, which made a lot of sense, of course, the benefits there. Um, so where are we going with cardiovascular research? Do you think in, in, uh, preventing and reversing heart disease? Well, more emphasis on blood sugar, you know, that's the number one cause. I don't think we, we didn't think about that 10, 15 years ago. We were overly emphasized on, you know, on cholesterol therapy. And again, I'm not, I'm okay, I'm fine with cholesterol therapy, but it's not the number one cause. So blood sugar, I think, is number one, that people have to eat less sugar and flour in their diets to stop that. And they need to be more active, both strength training as well as aerobic activity 
to help with blood sugar control. But I think, at least from our research, when we analyzed, you know, hundreds of patients and if they were growing, shrinking plaque over time, what was more important than their cholesterol besides blood sugar was their nutrient intake, magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin K, zinc. Um, these were critical factors in and fiber in terms of helping stop inflammation and arterial plaque growth. Adding long chain omega-3 fats from seafood or a supplement, you know, is a major important factor. So those nutrient factors turned out to be far more important than people's cholesterol level. And, and then, so sugar, nutrient intake, and the gut, a big, you know, the, a big source of inflammation, the biggest source of it, as you said, leaky gut is a major um, impact on a, the health of Americans out there today. And that's usually caused by eating processed food, by having food intolerances or sensitivities like wheat or dairy and being inflamed from eating, continuing to eat those. You know, so anybody who has chronic health problems, especially gut related problems, should try an elimination diet at some point and see what might be causing that and avoid it if that's the case. So and then supporting the gut with fiber and nutrients so it can heal and stop leaking. And then I think for the average American, you know, better periodontal health is a critical factor in overall health. And I don't think most patients realize that if their gums are inflamed, their high sensitivity C-reactive protein levels are up and they're growing, they're, they're growing arterial plaque and their brain is shrinking at an accelerated rate. And it, it would, doesn't take much to reverse that, you know, brush twice a day, floss every day, water pick, see your dentist and hygienist regularly for cleaning. It has a dramatic impact on overall health. Most people I bet are just thinking about their gums. They're not thinking that their knee might hurt or their hip might hurt because they're so inflamed and they're killing themselves without realizing it. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking as you were speaking about what a good window into what's going on in the body you find when you do a carotid CIMT, for example, and it, a reflection of, of what's going on throughout. I think in dentistry and in medicine, we can do the same thing looking at the periodontal tissues at the gum health um, because it, it it's a localized, visible sign of inflammation that most likely is going on throughout the body, I'm sure. Oh, I would say all, not mostly, assuredly, assuredly, it's a sign of systemic disease. I don't know if I told you this story, Stephen, but I'll share it with you and everyone that's listening. Um, there's a dean of a dental school in Manitoba named Tony Iacopino. And Tony is a wonderful researcher on the oral systemic connection. So he took us a group of dental students at the University of Manitoba that had pristine gums that had no bleeding, no pocketing in their periodontal tissues. And they got them to sign up as you can only do with students. You can't do this with animals because it would be abusive. But um, with students, they got them to agree to eat a gallon of ice cream every day for a week. And they did. And when they came back after a week, all of them had bleeding gums. So wow. the the <laughs> the impact of the effect of that, you know, high sugar levels, hyperlipidemia, the slodging of the vascular system, the inability of the 
immune system, the fire department to get there where you have a peripheral fire starting evidently doesn't take very long uh, to occur. So that was quite a stunning report that they had. And um, so uh, I thought that was very interesting. Um, I want to ask you, as you're talking about gut inflammation, and we all hear about uh, different reasons for gut inflammation, but um, tell us, um, are there myths related to gut inflammation? Yes. I mean, you know, so the things people eat supposedly to help their stomach or indigestion, you know, like gluten is probably a in, in 20% of the population, you know, any foods that have gluten are going to be highly inflammatory. Um, and I, I don't think we realize 20% of people are, are, are is, have gluten deficiencies. So the idea of eating whole grain this or whole grain that, most whole grains have gluten in it. That's not going to help a big portion of the population. Is gluten something that we should be all thinking about? Gluten intolerance or avoidance of gluten? Is that a big deal or? Well, it's 20% of the population. So that's a lot, you know, out of a room, one in five is quite a few. But if you have a chronic unexplained disease, your chance of gluten sensitivity approaches 30 to 50%. So it like doubles. Um, I think we grossly underestimate the impact that sugar has on our gut and that it helps grow bad bacteria. I mean, here's a, I think fascinating thing when they were, we've realized that bad bacteria that feed on sugar produce a compound propionic acid that goes to the brain and stimulates cravings for sugar. So bad bacteria have actually re, have not quite understood, but through evolution have come up with a way to manipulate our eating behavior. So, the more you eat, the more you crave, you know, so I don't, I don't think people realize that they think, oh, I'll just have a, a sugary pop or something like that and not realizing the harm it does. Conversely, another myth is that diet products are better than sugar. And I don't think they are because most of the commercial, you know, the blue packs, the pink packs and the yellow packs all of those kill your good bacteria in the gut microbiome. All of them ex- actually increase the risk for leaky gut and GI distress. So diet sodas and diet foods are probably no better than just drinking a, a full sugar soda um, because they, they're going to cause that gut microbe interaction in a very harmful way. So, yeah, I mean, if you were only doing a four-week study, you might see that people lost weight by using diet products for a month. But over a year, you'd probably find that there's no, it's no better than just heaping down, than taking down heaps of, of sugar. And um, so really, we want to cut out diet products and sugar. Um, I think monk fruit and stevia, xylitol, those are natural sweeteners that I'm okay with. But certainly the chemical ones that that are out there, um, I I think we need to avoid. And I'll I'll just leave it at, I think, the blue pack, pink pack, and yellow packs. I think people know which ones I'm referring to when I say that without mentioning any brands. Sure. Um, So it sounds like it's well established that systemic inflammation is the driver 
of so many of the problems that we have in gut health, oral health. Um, let me ask you one other question as we wrap it up, because I know this is something that you also focus on, and that is sleep health. So when I mentioned stress management, I would say an essential component for stress management in those pillars of health is sleep. If you don't get enough sleep, you're going to be mentally wired and fried over time. Sleep, you know, it's like if your computer gets slow, we turn, we shut it down and reboot it. Our brain needs that or we have decreased brain processing speed. We get sluggish. So sleep is an essential factor. When you're sleep deprived, your appetite goes up, you gain weight. When you're sleep deprived, your cortisol levels go up. Cortisol is in the short term to help us deal with a predator attacking us. Never intended for us to have long-term elevated levels of cortisol because they cause your blood sugar to go up. They break your tissue proteins down. Um, they, they shrink your brain. They grow arterial plaque. So high cortisol long-term is really harmful. So pro prolonged chronic stress um, is very harmful to us. And one of the most common causes of that is sleep deprivation. And the whole subject of of weight and increase, and not even just weight now, but what we're seeing with the increase of sleep apnea and these breathing disorders that can be related to allergies, can be related to um, uh, you know just issues of, of of airway breathing and and causing sleep disorders. That's really getting a lot of attention too. I think. Well, I mean, you were the one so instrumental with my wife, you know, in realizing the difference between mouth breathing, how it causes nasal congestion, snoring, um, poor quality sleep, exhaustion during the day, and just getting someone to learn to nose breathe, how important that is in overall, you know, quality of life. Yeah. It's interesting how some of these things are sitting right in front of us and pretty obvious once you've you know, you get it, but it, it takes a while. Well, I can't thank you enough for spending this time with us, your valuable time. And um, also just all the insights that you've given us uh, through the years, but also today. And I want to encourage everyone to um, go get your Mediterranean Method book to learn not only about what to eat, but one of the things that we haven't talked about is that you're a marvelous chef and that one of your philosophies in becoming a chef was that people aren't going to do this unless it's really delicious and they can sustain it, right? Well, that's the whole point. The 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 thirty day heart tune up Mediterranean method. They they have recipes, and the goal is they're delicious. Your family and friends will like it. You can find the ingredients at a local grocery sto store, and they're easy to prepare. We got to stop coming up with complicated dishes that you know, are hard for people to make. And I think that's a really something true about the Mediterranean eating plan overall is that they're simple meals with local fresh ingredients when you can find them that taste fantastic and it's not hard to make. And that's, I think, the, the fact that it's the easiest eating plan for people to follow is so important, you know, Asking people to follow a keto diet is really hard, even for people who teach keto, admit how difficult it is to follow. You know, asking people to follow a diet that's hard to follow is like crazy, right? We, we need to focus on 
What's the beneficial things you can do that are easy? And that's what really a slam dunk and where our effort should be more focused on when we're giving a message to our patients. Great. Well, thank you so much. So I want to encourage everyone to, to get on Amazon today and order the 30-day heart tune-up and the Mediterranean method and start working on these things. And um, uh, Stephen, we hope we can have you back sometime uh, to talk about these things some more. It'd be my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up for now and we'll see you all soon. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss an episode. And follow us on social media. You can find us at Ask Why Medicine on Facebook and Instagram. And in the meantime, ask why. Ask why.